day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome to First Draft for this week. I'm Chris Brow alongside Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. Mel, do you follow uh, Todd on social media at all? Because I do. I follow no one on social media. Oh, really? Well, you really need to get with this because Todd's sending out all these nuggets. And it had me thinking. Todd was posting video of Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame this week. Quentin Nelson. And, yes, sorry. I'm on a... Last name basis with the guy. But uh, Todd was posting a video of Nelson just killing people on a football field. And it had me thinking, you know, we have obviously Saquon Barkley atop uh, your guys' rankings right now. Nelson possibly moving up on McShay's. And I'm thinking it could be another year where we talk about who are the best players in the draft. And it really doesn't fall in line with the draft order. Mel, I'll give you a recent example. 2015, Leonard Williams ends the year as number one on the Mel Kuyper big board. Leonard Williams is still there at number six overall. The Jets get him. They're surprised. He falls into their laps. And sure enough, you have, you know, a great player. But again, need all these things, you know, quarterbacks, these things mix come into play. And I just wanted to take a look at recent history of how it's worked out with your guys' boards, who's the best players in the actual draft versus how that top five actually shakes out. Yeah, I think uh, Patrick Peterson, Von Miller were co-number ones in 2011 when Cam Newton went number one, and Dominic and Sue was number one in 2010 when Sam Bradford went number one. And you have you know, the consensus guys. There was no question about Miles Garrett. He was number one by a mile, as Andrew Luck was uh, when he came out. Uh, this year, uh, it's not going to be the quarterback probably at number one. I don't know how Todd will look at it, but after all said and done, it's probably still going to be, unless barring a bad workout, I think you're going to be looking at Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, Bradley Chubb, Minka Fitzpatrick. They're at the top of the board right now then the quarterbacks kind of fall in what's that have you ever had a running have you ever in all your years of doing this how many times have you had a running back as the number one overall you know? I remember eric dickerson was way back i mean the great yeah. barry sanders i mean there were some some great players but in those drafts todd remember you had Deion sanders you had a lot of other great players so i don't know i mean i remember when you know you had some running backs go one that did Adrian peterson it. was probably close right close maybe kajana carter went number one overall and was a disappointment i, I remember i have to check and see where i had kajana that year but i'm never one to put running backs obviously at number one unless they're super elite and even then but uh and you don't grade them based on as i say philosophy you grade them on ability so i'm sure there were way back uh now the trend now is more to running backs the leagues now i think looking at all these running backs that are having an impact and saying hey if we have to take one a little early why not why worry about it now so it's going to be interesting come draft day if barkley is in fact the only running back in round one, or a Darius Geis LSU, or a Sony Michelle from Georgia, Rashad Penny's hot right now, uh, out of San Diego State after the way he played in the senior bowl. He played like he played in the, with the Aztecs. They may not practice great, but he played great. So, and with his versatility, maybe he gets, he gets into that early to mid second round discussion. So I think the running back trend now of being the old trend up till really recently of pushing them way down, maybe the NFL is now pushing them up just a bit. Yeah, I, I, I've always thought too. A lot of it is based on a, on talent. I mean, those two years, 
what was it, 2014 and 2015, I want to say? Yep. Where there were no, no first-round running backs taken. And it, we were starting to see that's when the, the league was becoming more of a passing league and more emphasis on you know, on throwing the football and, and wide receivers probably going a little bit too high and, and quarterbacks always typically going a little bit higher than, than they would if you were just grading off of value. But everyone was saying, oh, the running back position's dead and no one, we're not going to see first-round running backs anymore, and, and then here we are again. But you go back and look, there just weren't that great of running backs coming out in those two years. Right. And that was part of it. And, and automatically, you know, Todd Gurley, the following year, nothing's changed. Todd Gurley just is in the draft. And he's worth a high pick, and Ezekiel Elliott, and and Fournette, and McCaffrey. I mean, it, these guys are worth high picks because they're that talented, and and you project them to have major impacts. And and I think we're seeing, you know, if, if the talent's there, they're gonna they're gonna go. It may not, you know, they may go five six spots below what their true value is, but running backs will go. And and teams realize that if you can get an impact player that's gonna touch the ball 20, 25, 30 times a game, and uh, and, and that can be a huge difference maker, then, then let's, let's take advantage. Todd, just looking at this in terms of recent history and your board, uh, just to give some people some perspective, I'll look at it again. I think 2016, I recall yep. you being a huge fan of Joey Bosa. Maybe he yep. ended up number one on your board, or it could have been Laramie Tunsil. I think you and Mel were at one of those guys. Obviously, Goff and Wentz go before Bosa. I think you also had Ezekiel Elliott really high. Can you think of some other instances in recent years? I know you also had Leonard Williams really high, Jalen Ramsey really high in back-to-back years, where it, the draft board doesn't look like your final prospect rankings. I mean, even even last year, I guess, just where the quarterbacks went, that would that stood out to me. I mean, I, I didn't have grades that equaled as, as high as where Trubisky wound up going and – Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, typically the quarterbacks are the are what jump out, and then having teams go and trade up for them, you know, and give away all the value that they gave away. But then again, you know, Wentz and Goff were were near the top, and they went one and two. I mean, it, it's kind of. I think it's typical each year that the quarterbacks wind up going a little bit higher. That pushes back a couple players. Typically guards will get drafted a little bit lower than what your actual grade is on them. Mm-hmm. I though I I think safeties and we're starting to see safeties the value is is there. And tight yeah. ends if 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 the talent is there, I think the the value of those positions has really risen. Uh, especially guys that can cover. Anyone who can cover. To me it's just probably the fourth most important thing that you can find in terms of of value quarterback you've got to get guys who can get after the quarterback guys that can protect the quarterback and then and then guys that can cover to me are really the the priority positions if you will so as we round this discussion into who who's in the competition for the best player in the draft this year Todd Nelson does he does he get into the mix and I ask that question because there are teams at the top who We'll take a look at one later in the show, but the Giants are drafting number two. There's at least a possibility they say, hey, we don't have to go get our quarterback now. We do have Eli for another year. There's no use cutting the guy uh, or trading him given the salary associated. At what point, if you're a team like the Giants, do you start saying, you know, what you guys always say on draft day, take the best guy, take the best player available? Yeah, I, I think it's, there absolutely is 
merit to that. I, to me, right now, the best two players that I've watched tape on and, and have evaluated, and of course we have to go through the medical process and the interviews and all of that, but if you're just going on tape and, and what we've studied, what I've studied so far, Barkley's the, the number one player in this draft, and I think Quentin Nelson, you can make a strong argument, is right there at number two. So you have I think a one then you and get two, into, of, but you yep. have a one and two of guys traditionally who do not go in that range in terms of draft value. Absolutely. No question. I mean, we've seen as high as four recently yeah. at running back. Twice, right? Yeah. Fournette and, and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Jaguars and Cowboys in respective years. And then uh, guard, when did uh, when did Cooper go, Mel? Like six? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's as high as I can remember for a true guard to wind up going. But I, I think there's a strong chance that you could see Nelson go somewhere in the top five picks this year. Wouldn't surprise me at all. And then, uh, honestly, after that, Minka Fitzpatrick's a safety, and Tremaine Edmonds is a, a, a linebacker that can, yes, can play on the line and be an edge rusher, but also kind of is an off the line. I mean, those are four untraditional spots to be talking about, arguably the four best players in this draft class. It really sets up Mel, in my opinion, for, well, I think about the Jets. A couple times in the last few years, the Jets have been sitting there at number six, and they've ended up with Leonard Williams and Jamal Adams. Yeah, they still need a quarterback, but that's what happens when teams jump ahead of them to get those quarterbacks. Suddenly you end up with one of the best players in the draft at 6-7. and seven. Who could benefit this year if there's a run on quarterbacks? I mean, maybe it's the Jets again. Maybe Bradley Chubb is sitting there at number 6 if these quarterbacks are all off the board. Yeah, I think Minka Fitzpatrick uh, maybe drops down just a bit because of that. Who knows? Uh, these teams have obviously, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins sitting out there. You keep hearing maybe Denver. We'll see where Kirk Cousins ends up. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Minka Fitzpatrick would be one. Could maybe drop just a bit down to a, the point where he becomes a major steal where he goes off the board. I think after that... It's hard. I mean, the, the guards, it's not just Nelson. You know, you think about where some of these tackles will go, uh, that can also, you know, kick inside if they have to. But initially, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, a pretty good run there. I think you're going to see Colton Miller, the left tackle from UCLA, come off the board a lot earlier than people think. I think you're going to see, uh, Orlando Brown, as Todd had, he's a right tackle. He's left tackle at Oklahoma, but he'll be a great right tackle in the NFL. He'll come off the board. McGlinchey, who was left tackle, but had played right tackle, will be a right tackle in the NFL will come off the board. Connor Williams is your left tackle, is he a guard? He'll probably be next in line after that group. Uh, and then you got some smaller college guys that I think could be good third or fourth round picks. Brandon Parker, North Carolina A&T, and some others. So I think the offensive tackle spot, you will see those guys go. I think the guard, Nelson, as Todd said, I, we were talking about it before uh, the podcast, Chris and I were, about where could he end up, Todd. I mean, if the Giants, if Barkley ended up going one to Cleveland, and they said, okay, yep. we can get a quarterback at four, and the Giants, Barkley's gone for the Giants, and they don't want to take a quarterback. They don't want to take the heir apparent to Eli. Then they could take Quentin Nelson, a plug-and-play guy, and just stick him in there and say, hey, yeah, we got a guy to open up things for our running game, for help our quarterback, and we can go that route if Barkley is, in fact, off the board and he goes number one to Cleveland. Yeah, I, I actually, the, the more I study, the more guys I'm digging into now, the more I really, I think this interior offensive line group is is outstanding. I mean, I know no one wants to talk about centers and guards, but you got Billy Price oh, from Ohio State. You've got uh, James Daniels. <laughs> you've got yeah, uh, Daniels from Iowa. Ragnall. Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez, who I, it was underrated coming out of um, 
UTEP, yeah, UTEP, and the Western Georgia guy. I just started watching tape Desmond on him. Harrison, he can play too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can play. He, he could end up be being a second talented. round pick. Yeah, Harrison could be yeah, a two oh, yeah. very easily. Yeah, I mean, he people forget. I mean, he he is loaded with talent. He was out of football for a couple of years. He winds up going back in. He may be the most talented offensive lineman in this class when it's all said and done. But he's just had a long journey to where he is. I'll tell you another kid, Jaron Christian at Louisville, 39, 40 straight starts, uh, you know, coming out as a true junior out of Louisville, played left tackle, has played some right tackle. There's a kid, uh, Jaron Christian, that's kind of way under the radar, is one of those juniors that people are kind of doing some work on and find out this guy's pretty good. And he could slide into that, uh, into that mix and into the, at least in the late first round, early second round discussion, uh, after all said and done, uh, Christian from Louisville could. Uh, and I think you look at the guard, I mean, you think about Dave Gettleman, you think about Bill Poeyan, Bill Poeyan, how many times, Todd, is Never take a guard. Never take a guard. Right. Be interesting if Gettleman does. I'm sure Bill will be saying, "What are you doing? You can't be doing." So, will it happen? Probably not. But you know, I think Nelson is, and he's compared to Hutchinson. Steve Hutchinson came out of Michigan, great player. You think about Alan Fanick out of all of shoot, great player. But they were mid and late first round picks. Hutchinson mid, yeah, Fanick late. Later. And now we're talking about you know second, third, fourth, fifth pick in the first round. That's a rarefied air. That's the, the, the elite of the elite for a guard. A lot of people. I know Ernie Accord. Seagull, you know, I've known Ernie since I was 16. He would never take a, a tackle guard even that high. And I know Polian Bill says never. So there's a lot of uh, philosophies, and, and people have their own views, Todd, that would say, you guys are crazy to think about a guard in the top five, top ten, even the first round for that matter. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to test a lot of teams this year because, I mean, legitimately, just counting through it, Quentin Nelson we talked about, you've got uh, Isaiah Wynn from Georgia. I just mentioned Billy Price. Um, you've got who else? Will Hernandez. I mean, all of these guys. Austin Daniels Corbett. from Iowa. All of these guys could be have grades that are equivalent to first round or top fifty overall pick, and that, that's unusual to see. I mean, we could wind up with six, seven interior offensive linemen in the in the top fifty picks overall. Yeah, in the worst position. Uh, we talk about how the strength. There's a lot of strengths. The wide receiver, very weak. But defensive mm-hmm. end, Todd, a true defensive end, not the combo guys, but a true defensive end, a lot of question marks there. I mean, there's a lot of iffy guys there. And after Bradley Chubb, you probably get into Marcus Davenport, uh, who did not wow anybody over at the Senior Bowl week, as you know, had a decent game, but has kind of slid down just a bit from where he once was projected to go. And then you get into you know, a lot of guys that are borderline. That's, That's all I have seconds. in the top, top 40. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you get into where Sam Hubbard from Ohio State, Tyquan Lewis, Ohio State, Jalen Holmes, that Ohio State yep. Buckeye group, uh, Arden Key, we know from LSU, was dropped. Uh, so, yeah, there's if you want a, a true defensive end, this isn't the year to get one. It's a fascinating thing with the defensive ends. A little bit of a tangent here, but, you know, we saw this in previous years. When, it, when there's a run on a position, when people feel like you can't get that guy, you see situations. I remember Marcus Smith from Louisville – and D Ford coming off the draft board, I think at 23 and 24, back-to-back, with the question being, well, if you don't get that pass rush edge type now, you might not get them at all. I think mm-hmm. DeMarcus Lawrence ended up going the second round. But really, there's it does affect uh, these teams when you, when you think you really have a need at a position and you have maybe one or two guys on the board that can make an impact. And if, <laughs> if you feel like the drop-off is that extreme – uh, yeah, I think it can affect the way they evaluate these guys. Guys, just to put a bow on this top possible player in the draft and, and how it will play out, I mean, do you think, I would suspect that 
you know, while we have we've seen Garrett go one as maybe the top rated player in the draft, um, I think Jadavian Clowney ended up number one or one and two on your boards. I think that was the year Clowney and Khalil Mack were right there near the top of both of your boards. Ended yep. up going one number one and number three. But again, we've had some we've had some big discrepancies. Mel, do you suspect this is another year? You've mentioned, yeah, maybe Barkley goes number one, but that's not where you would place your bet right now, right? Well, I don't know because I have to see what Cleveland does at quarterback. Uh, do right. they go the Kirk Cousins route? Uh, you know, he's going to end up somewhere. And it's like say some speculation that Denver uh, could take him. But hey, you know, yes. who knows what John Elway's thinking out there? All I can say is when you look at you know the first pick in the draft, if they do go quarterback, I think it would get down to Josh Allen or Sam Darnold. That's what you keep hearing. It, it, those would be the two. I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to go with that hype, though people discuss Mayfield not number one. And I don't think Josh Rosen's going to go number one. I think it would get down to Allen or Darnold if they don't take Barkley. And I think Barkley would be a guy. You could take Barkley at one, then knowing that if you wait till four, you're probably going to lose him to the Giants. Uh, yeah, so if you, the thought process there would be get the quarterback at four, because say they like Allen. You know, if they, if, if they take Barkley at one, Unless somebody's trading up, Todd, all those quarterbacks could be staring Cleveland in the face at four. Oh, Mel, Mel, Mel. How do you do it if you're Cleveland? How many times are we going to use our second first-round pick on a quarterback <laughs> and, and wind up with Brady Quinn or Whedon or Johnny Manziel? Tate, if you – okay, here's the thing. Honestly, and, and I know it may not be the most conventional thinking, and I know there are some people in the league that think it's stupid. But if you're Cleveland and you haven't had a quarterback in 20 years, how do you pass? And you like one of these guys. Obviously, if you're going to take one at four, then you like one of them. And unless you absolutely love all three and say, say, hey, you know, we'll take any one of these three, and even that would be risky because you're going back to number four. But how do you sit there and, and pass and say, you know what, well, we'll take We'll we'll deal with the lesser guy if we have to, just to, to get a running back. I I don't know. I I couldn't do it. I personally could not do it. If I decided that one was distinguished, he was the one out of the out of the four guys that we've talked about. Let's say that uh, you know I decided that it was Allen for whatever reason. I just I couldn't sit there and say, well, if we don't get him, we'll get the the guy we like second most. And now we got to move forward with our organization, build around this guy. And the whole time, it's like, you know, I oh, I really like my wife, but if I if I can't get my wife, then I'll, I'll go for that other girl that I was dating before her, you know. And then the rest of your life, you're now stuck with this woman that you know there was another one out there. I you know to right? that point though, Todd, yeah. I I think yeah. the thing that makes this more slam dunk with with your philosophy here is. It's what you're saying about Barkley. It's what you're saying about Nelson and Fitzpatrick. Say, say Darnold or Allen is a slight reach on your board. At least it checks the quarterback box and you are guaranteed to get one of the top two or three players in the draft guaranteed at number four because you're the one who reached at number one. You've set it up. So you, you get to say, Hey, you know what? We got our quarterback. And by the way, Barkley was number one on our board and we still got him. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, however, they they still have the whole Cousins thing is in this whole discussion as well. But I think it, you get down to how highly do you view 
Josh Allen and Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen? How highly do you view yeah. these quarter? Do you, which are, if you're Cleveland, are you okay? Again, Roethlisberger ended up being the third quarterback behind Eli and Rivers. Pittsburgh was sitting there with a 10 and got the guy that turned out to be, uh, the best of that group. Uh, you know, so I think you look at it and say, some okay, of us graded him that way. Yes, well, yeah, and they, they felt on. They didn't have to trade up to get them. They didn't have to trade up to get them. So they ended up right there with them, and all three have been really good. I mean, Manning's got two yeah, Super have. Bowl rings, and, and Phillip Rivers doesn't have a Super Bowl yet, but he's been a really good quarterback. Some people think borderline Hall of Famer. But to me, I think it gets down to how do you view Barkley? Do you think he's Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley? Is he going to be a difference maker at running back? He can catch, he can block. If he's the guy we got to get, and then we can get the quarterback, then Cleveland's sitting. That's why I say, Todd, if you think he's going to be the elite of the elite, is it going to be Elliott? Is it going to be Gurley? Do you think he will be? Well, the problem with running back is this, Mel. With Zeke is Zeke in part because of that offensive line in front of him. And Jacksonville had a better offensive line this year, but a great defense to, to lean on. So it was part of their whole big picture. And, and the, the Rams continued, you know, they, they had a lot of pieces in place with Gurley, and there have been up and downs with that. And obviously when the quarterback started clicking this year, then things start clicking again offensively. So if you're Cleveland, do you have enough in place around the running back position to bring in a running back and feel that you're going to get the value for that first overall pick? Yeah. yeah I but, think he's a great remember, player, but, I, but I'm not going to pass. I would take him if I had a quarterback. Yeah, and um, the but thing I'm not going to pass on a quarterback. Yeah, this is a mock. This isn't a like again. You know how I feel about running backs. I'm arguing. I'm arguing Barkley. Right. Somebody says I'd never take a running back in the first round. I'm just saying if they think that if he is think, the, yeah. if they think he's the next Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette in that mold, in that same rating, and has that same ability coming in. Then you take him at one and you say, okay, we love Darnold. We like Darnold a lot. We like Josh Allen a lot. We like, we're okay. You know, you know, about that quarterback rather than taking the quarterback at one and figuring Barkley will be gone. That, that just gets down to how they view those quarterbacks and that running back because they figure, can we get out of this draft? Can we get the running back and the quarterback? Well, figure it out. Do you think there's a better shot at going one running back for quarterback or take the quarterback at one? What's the chances of Barkley being there at four? How about, how about this one? You ready? Mm hmm. How about you get a deal done? We have six picks in the top 65, I believe. That's off the top of my head. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, Sounds right. What if, what if you make a swap with the Giants for number two? Mm-hmm. Or, or even number three? And guarantee that you're going to – that way you guarantee – if you like two of the quarterbacks, you're guaranteed to get one of the two. Or you take the quarterback and eh, – no, you'd have to move up to no, number two. And then have the top two picks in the in the draft and give up probably two of those other picks and now have four picks in the top sixty five. But you get your quarterback and you get Barkley. Just a thought. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's and then the Kirk Cousins thing. Sign Kirk Cousins, then you could take you know, Barkley at one and then a great player at four. So there's various ways Cleveland can attack this, but it all gets down to how do you view Barkley? Do you think he's elite? And how do you view these quarterbacks? Or is there one guy that's set aside from everybody else in your, in their opinion? It doesn't matter what anybody else, in their opinion, is there one guy superior? Or are there two or three so close where we're okay with any one of those two or three? It depends on all that by the time we get to late April as to what Cleveland may end up doing. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we are going to give four or five minutes each to each team in the NFC East. We're going to roll through the league starting this week. Starting in the uh, division of the Super Bowl champions. Bit of a surprise, but here we are. The New York Giants. New York Giants. 
too much of their their own surprise. Nobody thought they'd be drafted number two overall, but here we are. Mel, what jumps out to you for the New York Giants? Obviously, the number one question is, do you take that great player or do you take the next guy behind Eli Manning? Knowing Eli Manning is, they've all said it, Eli Manning's going to start in week one. You're not taking a guy who to fill to fill those shoes right away. Yeah, and I think that's where you got Dave Gettleman coming in as a new GM and, and looking at that running back position with Darkwa, Orleans Darkwa being a guy as a two, not a one, uh, not your lead guy, uh, it, Barkley would make the most sense. Uh, and obviously then you could look at a quarterback maybe down the line. They drafted Webb last year out of Cal. We'll see. But uh, to take the quarterback, the heir apparent to, to Eli Manning, that would be the debate. Now, it would make it a little easier, I guess, if, if Cleveland did take Barkley. Then you could say, okay, where do we go now? Do we take the guard, Nelson, or do we take the you know the the quarterback? If they, and if they, again, it would depend how Gettleman would feel about these three quarterbacks. Is there one that he deems a potential franchise guy? And as the heir apparent, Eli could be that big-time quarterback. If he feels there is one of those guys and Barkley's gone, then you would take the quarterback. The big risk here, Todd, is that if you do take a quarterback and you say, no, 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 we got Eli Manning. If Eli Manning gets off to a bad start and they can't block again, which they couldn't do last year, uh, then you run into that situation where you're already putting your coach and your GM into that, into that scenario where they're asking questions. All right, why wait if Eli doesn't look good? And Eli, three of the last four years, Eli has really struggled. That's just the reality. Yeah, yes. And this is, this is a tough one because if there is a window, it's closing quickly. But you got to remember, this is, a, this is a team that won a lot of football games two years ago. And if you're a glass half full guy, kind of guy, you're looking at it saying, "Why can't we get back to that? We just we need to have a good draft. We need to make a couple of small moves in free agency, and and let's get right back on track." The problem is how many you don't plan on drafting this high. No one ever does, but it's not likely they're going to wind up with a number two pick in a draft where we all agree there's some talent at quarterback. And so you look at this, and it's really a tug of war internally, I think. So we go with the running back and immediately give a shot in the arm to our offense and provide something that we have not had for a while, and that is a difference maker, a dynamic player at the running back position who can catch the ball, who can block for Eli, and who, when we hand him the ball, he's, he's going to do special things that very few guys in the league can actually do. Or... Do we get the quarterback because we're up here and we don't plan on picking up here for a long time? And how many times you get an opportunity to draft a Josh Allen and sit him for a year and have him learn behind an Eli Manning and, and hopefully set up our organization for the next 10, 12 years? It's a tough call. I mean, something tells me they wind up going with Barkley and taking the best player in the draft and, and deal with quarterback later. I don't know that that's the right move for the organization long term, though. The Washington Redskins. Each of you in your previous mock draft had to take a look at the Washington Redskins and think, well, Kirk Cousins is probably going to be gone. What are they going to do at quarterback? Maybe that's Baker Mayfield. Does somehow, miraculously, one of the top three guys fall into their laps at number 13 overall? Or are they the team that even has to think about trading up? Well, they answered that question. They went out and got Alex Smith. We all assume Kirk Cousins is elsewhere. Uh, they didn't just get Alex Smith on a straight rental. They signed him. He's the guy there almost certainly for the next couple seasons. I think that takes quarterback out of play at 13. I think that was obviously a goal of theirs. They didn't want to have to be in a situation where that 13th pick 
actually should have had to factor into the season at the quarterback position. Now they can go in a lot of different ways, Mel. I mean, I see a team that could use help at wide receiver. I see a team that could use help along the defensive line, though Jonathan Allen will be welcomed back after he got up to a great start, uh, out of, obviously out of Alabama last year before he got hurt. It's an interesting team. They, they, they have the chance to be competitive. I think they got to be thinking about somebody who can help them. Well, they have an opportunity with Alex Smith coming in, so that solidifies that position. Josh Dotson keeps improving, and he had some drops last year, and he's got to keep getting better. They got to keep their guys healthy. There was a rash of injuries, offensive line, obviously with Reed's injury status and year to year. So they just had so many guys that have gone down and affected mm-hmm. that team. They had to go too deep, three deep. I mean, it's just not enough depth on these teams to be able to make up for the injuries that they sustained. So I think they're in a position where they can. It's a rarity to be picking that high and say, "Hey, we." We can look at some guys that, that could fill the void, as you said, up front. Allen was looking great till he got hurt. He was another one of those injuries. I mean, they, they were just decimated. So they should be much better if they can get any luck on the injury front. Uh, you know, Calvin Ridley is going to be interesting to see where he goes, Todd, because in the discussions with a lot of different people, there's everybody seems to like him. The production yep. wasn't there because the quarterback wasn't able to throw it. We know that. But he's not viewed as the elite of the elite. He's not viewed as this this lock, number one, go-to guy. Uh, yet does he drop a little bit? Does he get down to that 13 to 16 range where Baltimore's picking or where the Redskins are picking? So I think Calvin Ridley, because he is the top receiver, and will that push him up maybe higher than you think? Or will people just go by the board and say, hey, this guy's not what we expect the guy that goes in the top 10 to be? I think Calvin Ridley, there's going to be a lot of mixed opinion on. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I, especially in a class where I feel like there's a lot of really good values to be had in the second, third round range. Guys like Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark from LSU, James Washington, Oklahoma State, um, Anthony Miller from Memphis, Jordan Lastly from UCLA, your guy DJ Moore from Maryland, Auden Tate, a guy who's flashed at Florida State and clearly has ability, St. Brown from um, from Notre Dame. Equinemius St. Brown. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of talent and guys that could wind up being good starting receivers in the league or good number threes. And if you're talking about the 13th overall pick and for Washington, you don't have a third round pick. I think I'd rather gamble on a guy in the, in the second round or maybe even the fourth round rather than than use that 13th overall pick when you can be talking about getting a one of the stud defensive linemen or one of these linebackers, um, whether you know whether it's Evans or or um, Ro- Roquan Smith, one of those guys that you can plug plug and play and have an impact guy at the linebacker position, or maybe even a, a Derwin James type player, a big safety. The uncertainty with uh, Sua Cravens and and that whole role that they need now, I, I think that, that that would be a possibility as well. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they went defense with this pick and then came back to wide receiver maybe in the second round. The Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys have a couple big things to watch in this offseason, particularly as it pertains to free agency. This is one of those teams you like to say, you know, best player, we're going to stick to our board, but sometimes free agency does bleed into the draft. I don't know what's going to happen with Des Bryant. All I know is he's not the Des Bryant of 2013-2014, and they're going to have to pay him a ton of money to be kind of a glorified possession receiver if he's there. If he's not, suddenly you have a wide receiver core where Terrence Williams... Bryce Butler, whatever you think Noah Brown is, whatever you think Cole Beasley is. And that's not a great situation if, if for Dak Prescott. There's also the big question 
on the defensive line, do you franchise tag Demarcus Lawrence? Uh, you know, for a huge number, do you get him locked up long term for a huge number? If for some reason he's not back, pass rush is not a good situation. So you have some high profile positions. You know, you know the offensive line's in good shape. Todd, when you look at these guys, what are you thinking? Well, I, I think I think you touched on some of the issues. I think finding another pass catcher playmaker is is an issue. I think it's a priority in this offseason for the Cowboys because clearly you can run the ball. Yep. Clearly you have an offensive line that can protect. You have a quarterback that I think I think we know what he is. Is is up and down as it's kind of looked. He's not as good as we as maybe the first year looked. I think the second year we saw defenses adjusting to him and having more tape to work off of and playmakers not being there and just, you know, the the situation they had uh, with Zeke and everything else. I think he can be a good quarterback. I think he can be effective, but I think you have to have guys around him. So to me, with wide, wide receiver is an issue. I think tight end is something to look at. Jason Witten turns 36 right after the draft this year. Yep. So you got a 36 year old tight end. I, I, I'm probably too high on him, but I think Dallas uh, Goddard from South Dakota State is going to be a stud in this league. I, I don't know that he's going to be the elite of the elite, but he is a, a two-way tight end, and you don't see many of those coming out anymore. A guy who can block and help and be part of what you're trying to do with the power run game and play action, but also can go out and catch the ball very effectively and can create a little bit on his own. So uh, that would be an option there. If not, defensive tackle. I don't know if Vita Vea will be there from Washington, but uh, Jerron Payne, Mo Hurst from Michigan. Uh, those are guys I think – Guys that can get to the quarterback and, and disrupt from the inside, I think, is kind of the next step, assuming they take care of uh, their defensive end situation and, and lock them up. Mel, anything to add on the Cowboys? I think we look at the, the whole thing about the wide receiver spot is, is going to be iffy because after Ridley, there's nobody to consider, in my opinion, at that spot. It's too high for a tight end. The guys Todd's talking about with Dallas Goddard, I'd throw Mark Andrews, Oklahoma, in there. I would throw Hayden Hurst, South Carolina, into that mix as guys you would think of in the late first, early second round. So if you're picking where they are at 19, then you're looking to move back a little bit because that's where the value of tight end would be. And certainly even for a wide receiver, I don't think any wide receiver, if Ridley's gone, is worthy of being that high a pick. That's the issue there. Then you go to the defensive line. Vita Vea is going to be in a battle with Deron Payne. Those are the two guys I think are vying to be the first defensive tackle off the board. I think after all is said and done, I think Payne maybe goes ahead of Vea. If that's the case, maybe he's still available at that point. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that position unfolds. I don't think tight end wide receiver is going to be in the mix at that pick unless they move off of that and move down into the later portion of round one. The Philadelphia Eagles. Todd, I'll let you kick us off here. I mean, the Eagles have the best spot in the draft, number 32. you got to love it. The big question, obviously, aside from, you know, what do they do with Nick Foles? Most likely he sticks around, but maybe somebody throws them a weird package of draft picks to take him off their hands. Peter's suddenly no longer a lock there at left tackle. Um, And obviously, hey, they won the Super Bowl, but Tom Brady threw for 505 yards. What is coming back out of guys like Patrick Robinson, Corey Graham? Um, there, There is the possibility they have to take a hard look at their secondary. A lot of good problems to have, though. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think this team is pretty loaded. I mean, as, as far as the NFL goes, it's hard to have a, a roster that is more complete than this one with a young quarterback that you believe in and for good reason is, uh, you know, is capable of playing at a championship level. And a backup for at least 
I would guess for another year, unless, unless, like you said, they wind up getting some strange package that you just can't refuse. And if that's the case, then then you've got all those picks to work with or whatever they got in compensation. So I, I think left tackle is something to keep an eye on. I just don't know if you're going to find your future left tackle this late in the first round. I think they're going to be patient. Remember this organization? You've got Joe Douglas running the personnel, basically. You've got um, Andy Weidel coming over, both from the Ravens, very much like Ozzie Newsom. Let's sit and wait. Let's be patient. Let's not. Let's take advantage of other teams getting anxious and, and trying to trade up and do crazy things because they're targeting one player. Let's sit tight. If we move back, great. We'll move back. We'll we'll get an additional pick and we'll load up on some other some other areas. But I, I think left tackle is a spot. I think linebacker is a spot and cornerback is another spot where they they could be looking if if you were to try to put the positions out there of priority but uh, you know they're in a good a great position because if a player falls to them there and they don't have a deal to move back you can just take them i mean if a if a player that you never thought was going to be there like Rashawn Evans maybe the durability is a little bit scarier than you thought maybe he falls to 32 and all of a sudden you get one of the best 20 football players in the draft at 32 and that's how Ozzy made the Raven, the Ravens tick for so many years, and I think that they're going to take a, a very similar approach with how they handle the draft. Mel, the one other thing that stands out with the Eagles is the possibility uh, Torrey Smith might not be there next mm-hmm. year. You know, Todd Hitta, there's a lot of different ways you can go when you're a Super Bowl champion and you feel pretty good about, you know, say 35 of your roster spots headed in the offseason. But is this is this another one of those cases, whether it's tackle, whether you're unsure about Peters, or if you want to move Lane Johnson to left tackle, whether it's one of those secondary positions, are you just looking for, as Todd said, one of the top 20 players in the draft and which guy is there because of so many other teams had to go for need? He had forgotten all this, uh, and all this, the greatness of the Eagles season was all the guys that they had injured, and they had to make up for the losses beyond Carson Wentz with Sproles and, and Jordan Hicks and Peters and, and Marigo. So they had a ton of injuries as well to overcome. But I think when you look at that spot, when you're picking 32, does somebody want to jump there to get Lamar Jackson, the quarterback from Louisville? Does right. somebody, that's typically what happens, and what Lamar Jackson's considered a late first, early to mid second round pick that somebody may move, want to move in that spot to acquire, or somebody else. That's usually a hot pick. Because then you go into today too, and that's a spot where you want to get that player before everybody has a chance to sit and figure out their board and get that guy. So that thirty-second pick usually valuable for that reason, as thirty-three is for obvious reasons. I think you look at Jordan Lastly as a wide receiver. I think he's the most fascinating player in this UCLA. draft, Todd, out of UCLA because he was spectacular with Josh Rosen this year. But there was the off-the-field issue that everybody's going to have to do their due diligence and figure all that out. But when talent. He's a first-round pick. Now, you know, you have to reconcile everything, and you have to figure it out come late April. But Jordan Lastly, on ability, you can make a strong argument. He's the best receiver in this draft. At worst, the second or third best receiver in this draft. And if you're picking at 32 and you want to roll the dice, Lastly would be the guy to roll it with. It's mail time, but it's actually, you know, going back, we call this the mailbag because we lost Todd. <laughs> Todd had to run, so it's it's the mail bag this week. But there is a lot of mail, and we know Mel is the man to handle it. I'll obviously chime in with lots of really smart insights. Mel, here's one to get us started. So, say the Browns go ahead and they take mm-hmm. Josh Allen or they take Sam Darnold at number one overall. Mm-hmm. We've seen him do it before. 907 username asks, "How likely is it that a team trades up to that number four overall spot?" 
to grab a QB, obviously, before Denver if they don't have Cousins, or before the Jets at six if they don't have Cousins. Could you see the Browns saying, hey, we got our quarterback, now let's stack up the picks. Maybe we don't want to take Barkley or a guard at four. Yeah, I think it's going to be the Jets at six. You cannot, if you're the Jets, I mean, Hackenberg didn't work, Petty didn't work, okay? They need a quarterback. And at six, if you like one, you better go get him. Denver could maybe get Cousins, but if they don't, they'll be looking at a quarterback. So you want to get ahead of Denver. Cleveland at four could be in play if they take somebody, say, Barkley at one. And there's going to be other teams looking to move up. Arizona certainly could, you know, look to move up from where they are at 15. you got Miami sitting there at 11. I don't think they would because I think they'll roll the dice with Tannehill. I hope that he can stay healthy one more year. But I think that's certainly a spot where the Jets would be the team at six to, to just wait for their quarterback to fall to six, knowing that somebody else could jump up you know, and surprise people. I think the Jets got to be aggressive. They cannot come out of this draft without the quarterback that they deem, if not the number one quarterback, they can't get any worse than their second best quarterback on that board. Because uh, you think about it, what they've done in the past, it just hasn't worked. So they got to get that guy. And like I said, there's going to be a lot of different opinions on the top four because Mayfield also would be in play if they stayed at six and didn't move. Mayfield may be a guy that they could look at at that point. And like I say, Rosen, I think could maybe drop just a bit. You know, when you talk about interviews, everybody going back talking to coaches, talking about players. Is he a galvanizing quarterback? You know, is he that kind of guy that is passionate about the game of football, a warrior? Uh, once they figure all that out, does he drop a little bit? And is he available at six? I'll segue here into another question. Uh, at Aaron, I can't even pronounce that last name. At top cat number one asks. So let's say, and and I, I actually agree with this. I think there's a real possibility that Kirk Cousins. Uh, likes the situation, likes Jeremy Bates, likes the bag of money the Jets throw out there and say they have Kirk Cousins. Then, who do the Jets target at six if they have that guy? Maybe it's a Bradley Chubb if he falls, Mel. They get the pass rusher. Maybe it's a Minka Fitzpatrick, and suddenly you really start to like your secondary again there with Fitzpatrick, um, obviously Jamal Adams. I mean, what do you think? Well, with Marcus May and Adams, if you draft Fitzpatrick, he's playing corner. Right. And uh, yeah, do they have that luxury? And is Fitzpatrick, who some feel is the second best player in this draft, some even may think he's the best player in this draft, still there with all those quarterbacks getting forced up. So if you get Cousins, do you go that route? You could, but you could also look at other options. And I think the other options would be the you have to get the best players in this draft. And the best players on anybody's board is going to be Chubb. I think you're going to look at Minka and Quentin Nelson's going to be right up there as the, as the elite players in this draft with those quarterbacks being in that mix as well. So yeah, again, that's where you look at Barkley, Chubb, Minka, and then the three quarterbacks. That's your, that's your elite six. If you go past that, you'd be looking probably at a Denzel Ward as the top corner. And he will be challenged, by the way, by Josh Jackson from Iowa if Josh Jackson runs an elite 40 time. If he does, it'll be a debate. Jackson, the, the long angular corner with all the production and the INTs or Denzel Ward. So I think that's where those corners, we know if, if those two corners test out well, they're going to go really high. I'll tell you what, if the Jets, we, alluded to it earlier, if the Jets do end up with Cousins or another quarterback in free agency, once again, they're going to make hay at number six, where they got Leonard Williams, where they got Jamal Adams. That's been a good spot for them to watch other teams go get their quarterbacks ahead of them and then to have a great player fall in their laps. Could certainly happen again this year. Mel, Corey yeah, let me Sendler. say real quick. Let me say real quick on that. Tremaine Edmonds out of Virginia Tech had over 100 tackles. Yeah. He's a long, athletic that super freakish linebacker. I mean, he is an incredible talent, and he's been productive. So he's got the bloodlines with his dad, who was a tight end in the NFL. 
Yeah, his twin brother is going to be a safety. He probably goes in the third round mix. I think you look at Tremaine Edmonds, inside, outside. He can do anything you want a linebacker to do. He's an every-down guy. He can rush, cover, do everything. Then you look at Roquan Smith from Georgia. He can do everything you want a linebacker to do. Some things inside, some outside. Those are two versatile, productive, hard-nosed, instinctive Perfect for today's NFL type linebackers. And they're going to get pushed way up. As I said, the corners will, those two linebackers will get pushed up into the top five to seven, five to nine. And that range is, is where you will see, I think, those two linebackers come off the board. All right. A couple more before we close up shop mm-hmm. here. Corey Sedler at CE Sedler 19 asks, Mel, you've met, you've talked about a couple that it's maybe a lean wide receiver class or maybe a, a deeper one. You mentioned lastly, obviously we talked about Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the second day wide receivers uh, that we should be keeping an eye on? Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be some really interesting guys. Darice Fountain out of Northern Iowa is a kid. There was a running back came out of Northern Iowa not that long ago. It was pretty good. And Darice Fountain is a kid. Had the big East-West game. Had a really good year at Northern Iowa. Uh, he showed in that game punt return ability. We know he's got size. He's got the frame. If he runs well, and he's not going to the combine, so it's going to mm-hmm. be at his pro day. Okay, and there's going to Justin Watson from Penn not going to the combine either. He's another kid to think, think about in the fifth round area, fourth, fifth round area. Justin Watson out of Penn, great player in the Ivy League. Caught my eye when he was a junior as a heck of a player when I watched some Ivy League games on a Friday night. So I think you look at Justin Watson, Penn, you look at uh, Doris Fountain from Northern Iowa, two very intriguing guys who are going to be, I think, in that, I'd say third for Fountain, more fourth for Watson. Then you get into, Todd mentioned DJ Moore, love the kid out of Maryland, Good player, solid player. Uh, he, to me, is a second or third round pick. Kiki Kuti out of Texas Tech. All he did for the Red Raiders make big play after big play. He would be another one to consider at some point uh, when you get into that, you know, say third, fourth round discussion. All right, one last one here. Um, just to keep an eye on, uh, you know, following the news cycle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guy Henderson asks, Mel, any chance the Niners, you mentioned a couple of the names, any chance the Niners would have to look at linebacker, possibly inside linebacker, at, um, with their first-round pick, given you know Reuben Foster continues to have hiccups off the field? Well, even with Foster, it was another area they could address was right. that inside linebacker spot. Yeah, they want a pass rusher. They would like to get a corner. Obviously, what you talk about uh, Denzel Ward, I had projected to them for that reason, that lead corner uh, they need, uh, a wide receiver as well. That's why Calvin Ridley would be in the mix. So you think about where they're picking. Calvin Ridley could be there. Denzel Ward, Ohio State corner. Josh Jackson, Iowa corner. Could certainly be there. Nickel will be gone. Okay, so you get the, you could get the number one receiver, could get the number one corner still there. Pass rusher wise, you know, you know, how do you feel at that point about pass? We said Marcus Davenport could, I think he'll be there. So do you think about Davenport? He played on his feet as well at Texas San Antonio. Didn't have the wow week at, at, at Mobile at the senior bowl practices. That could have catapulted him into the top five, but Davenport's going to be intriguing. Then you look at the inside linebacker spot and you say, okay, we got Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds. One of those two, and maybe both of those guys would still be there. So it's going to set up beautifully for the 49ers in terms of their needs corresponding to the players at those spots, Chris, that will be there and won't be reaches, but in fact will be good value picks. Couldn't work out any better for the Niners. Obviously, you want to see uh, you know, Ruben Foster get everything together and be the great player he's capable of, but the needs fall right into place with the way the board lines up. The best thing for the Niners, regardless of what their uh, balance in the checkbook says is, they're not thinking about quarterback for the first time in a couple of years. That's always a nice feeling going into the draft because, again, you know 
I can count three, four, five possibilities of teams taking a quarterback or damn near reaching on a quarterback ahead of them. That's going to leave them, as you said, Mel, a lot of good possibilities there. Well, that's the mail. I'm Chris Brow. We had Todd on and obviously Mel to talk about the possible number one pick and how that doesn't always line up with the draft board. But you've done this before, Mel. That's just the way it is. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I think this draft is, is deep in a lot of positions, strong and deep at a variety of spots. And we got all the intrigue about the quarterbacks uh, at the top of the board in the top 10 with Baker Mayfield being kind of the wild card. So it's going to be a fun uh, build up to the draft. And it's certainly going to be a much anticipated draft, probably a ratings boom. You would hope in Dallas uh, when we go there for the first Piper time. In Dallas, that should yeah, be. First time ever in a stadium, by the way, first time the draft will ever be in a stadium atmosphere all three days in Dallas. And we're looking forward to it. Chris, but we still have a lot of podcasts to go before we get to April 26th. Yeah, we do. And you have a long drive up to Bristol from Baltimore next week. So good luck mm-hmm. with that. Uh, right, mock we'll number three, by the mocks. way. Yeah, mock number three will be out next Wednesday. And we'll have uh, be talking a lot about that on next week's podcast. Yep, the last mock before free agency blows it all up one more time. Mel, thanks so much. We'll do it again next time. You got it, pal. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.